Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Astrology with Sicily. I hope everybody's doing a little better today. We're coming out of some weird transitions all throughout the month. And I wanted to start with a quick reading from astrology.com. And this is January astrology forecast. This is one of the articles, but the title is really what stuck out to me. January astrology forecast floating in the liminal space between the past and the future. And this article is by Narayana Montufar and it's from December 30th, 2022. As you enter 2023, take a moment to feel the energies around you. They could easily be described as weird. After all, it's the beginning of a new year. However, something is preventing us from moving forward, a deep pull to the past. As we enter January, the Capricorn sun is forming a trine with futuristic Uranus. But with two natal planets in retrograde, Mars and Mercury, there is still some unfinished business. Hey, Hakeem, good afternoon. Still some unfinished business to take. You might want to adjust your headphones. Uh, why is it too hot? It's, yeah, it's like live wide. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, that's right. I forgot about that. I gotta... Alrighty. How about that? Way better. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Now listen to this. As astrologer Lauren Ash puts it, if you're planning to start the new year off with a bang, you might want to press pause. 2023 begins with a few lingering transits that are still causing some chaos and confusion on a major scale. Pluto also comes into the picture, bringing a feeling of needing so we can feel the power of our future. Pluto is all about getting real with our shadow and illuminating places of our psyche we rarely get to see or deal with. Those of us trying to set 2023 intentions might realize we are quite unsure of what we truly want and desire. Sitting with this feeling of floating in limbo might not be easy, but as much as we can, we should try to embrace it. There is a very specific type of magic in not knowing what is next. In also in embracing a true feeling of wonder. There's also there's value in finding peace in the liminal space between the past and the future. Hmm. This is where we will be for the first part of the month. So get comfy floating here. Ooh, when I tell you it was a rough beginning, not even gonna lie. A full moon in Cancer, and this just passed for all that are listening in. Instead of succumbing to the pressure of setting ambitious intentions, the first few days of 2023 are best spent pinpointing what didn't work for us in 2022. Whether we conclude that it is a bad habit, a toxic relationship, or a self-imposed goal, 
The time to truly let it go arrives very soon. On Friday, January 6th, we welcome the first full moon of 2023. Side note, this was the wolf moon. Funny enough, Hakeem was talking about werewolves that day. I find that suspicious. I keep. What do you mean? Hey, how, how about now? Is there is that crazy buzzing going on right now? No, you're clear. Oh, that's good. That's really good. <clears throat> All right. So I think I prefer these headphones for now. Fantastic. Yeah, I was. Uh, I think I was howling. And talking about the German word for werewolf, and I was like, Oh, Varul. Varul. Is this Var? Varulf. Varul. So it start. It starts with a V and ends with a V. So, so var like the word far, but with a V, like far away. Var. Var. And ulf like um, like vulva. So varulf. Varulf. All right, you know, you'll be, you'll be okay. No, I get it one day because me and German, I know a little Dutch, but I I can't do German too well. Neither can I. I just know that from way back but um let 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 me not distract you <laughs> i'll keep going so on friday january 6th we welcome the first full moon of 2023 happening at 308 p.m pacific time in the skies of cancer this lunation will instigate deep feelings we could suddenly realize how much we have allowed our ambitions or thirst for success to cloud our judgment. If not taking care of our private lives and overworking ourselves was the theme of 2022. This lunation will expose that. Hello, Brady. How you doing? I'm just doing a quick astro reading, listening, because this is like a monthly overview. that give you a little help for the month. <coughs> After the sun, after, oh, that's you echoing, Hakeem. After all, the sun will and be now, a little. It's not hot. Am I still echoing now? No, you're not echoing. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. I apologize. No I'm problem. Disorganized. All right. After all, the sun will become illuminating. The career-focused, ambitious sign of Capricorn. The same sign that Mercury is currently in retrograde in. Yes, we are not only still changing the way we work, we are also changing the way we chase our goals. Big aha moments are in store now. As Mercury's inferior conjunction with the sun arrives on Saturday, just Hours after the full moon, so stay tuned. Venus enters Aquarius. Luckily, Venus fulfills her role by granting us calm in the eye of the storm. From January 2nd to January 26th, Venus will fly in the skies of Aquarius. Ruled by both Saturn and Uranus, Aquarius is the zodiac sign most representative of the human condition. Of, always, of the human condition of always living either in the past, Saturn, or the future, Uranus. Having Venus in Aquarius for most of the month will not only beautify this uncomfortable feeling of waiting, it will bring a sneak peek of what to expect next. While in Aquarius, Venus will make 
pretty make a pretty sweet conjunction a sextile with Jupiter in Aries on January 4th and a trine with the retrograde Mars on January 9th Venus will also form a square with Uranus on January 14th and a conjunction with Saturn on January 22nd wrapping up the ultra tense Saturn Uranus square that brought up so much change and tension in 2022 Mars and Mercury go direct. January's deeply introspective vibe begins to dissolve around mid-month when Mars ends its retrograde on January 12th. Since October 31st, Mars has been transforming the way we express our masculine energy, bringing intense conversations and interactions, unexpected endings, tiredness, and low drive. Now, as it goes direct, we can feel how our minds as well as our bodies needed that break. From now until January 18th, pay attention to what comes up into your mind as it will be brimming with ideas. Mars will be reporting retrograde, reporting to retrograde Mercury. So while we don't yet have the full story, we may begin to see which direction the winds of change are beginning to shift. On Mercury's day, Wednesday, January 18th at 5.12 a.m. Pacific Time, Mercury goes direct in Capricorn. This is when the energy shift will be felt immensely. All of the bottled up can-do energy will bubble up to the surface. <coughs> Excuse me. Ready to tackle new projects and ideas. On that same day, the sun will be in conjunct with Pluto. Activating our thirst for power and success. Aquarius season. The future is finally here. Two days after Mercury goes direct, the sun will begin to sun and shine in the sun of Aquarius. We can now think clearly and know what we truly want to manifest in the year ahead. On this day, Venus will be sitting next to Saturn, equipping us with the knowledge that what Whatever we will create now will stick, and it will last the test of time. The very promising new moon of the month and the season arrives as soon as Saturday, January 21st at 12.53 p.m. Pacific Time. As this new moon begins to wax, this is the time to set intentions, make bold moves, and begin anew. The universe will be aligned to show you things from a different perspective. So now is a good time to be flexible and open to approaching your problems from a new direction. And when Venus enters Pisces, just a few days later on January 26, 2023, you'll feel more inclined to embrace and express your more carefree, free-flowing attitude, especially as it relates to love. Ooh, so in conclusion, the universe will be conspiring in our favor, illuminating the way, since the sun will be forming a sextile with Jupiter and Aries. We receive the green light from the planet of abundance to charge ahead. For better results, try setting goals that you can accomplish by the time Jupiter leaves Aries, which is May 14th. Uranus, the modern ruler of Aquarius, also comes out of its five-month-long retrograde this same weekend on Sunday, January 22nd. 
This will instigate surprises, but will also carry big aha moments and fascinating epiphanies about our future. This is a weekend to clear your calendar and get work done. Setting on your in- get to work, setting your intentions and figuring out your strategy for the year ahead. So basically, we weren't supposed to be setting New Year's intentions until after the retrograde energies, retrograde energies left, which makes sense because I feel like I've been at a stutter stop for like the past two weeks. Is well, why? Even stop your thinking about planning it or what? No, it doesn't stop me thinking of planning it. I planned out a lot of stuff on December 31st and I was going for it, but it seemed like I was catching technology blockages everywhere. Mm. And just like with the RSS feeds here, when I was trying to get them out and look at them and review where they were, they disappeared. What are you eating? Um, I'm not eating anything. <laughs> Except for a Dutch chocolate muffin. Ooh, sounds good. <clears throat> it is. But, but yes, it is a dive into the month of head and how it's going to work out. And I pretty much appreciate it because I needed that because I was wondering why I kept getting stutter stops. I would start something and then something would go technically wrong or I would start something and then it disappeared out of my phone or I would start something and I lost the notebook. Yeah, I mean, all that can be considered tech. Yes, technology. Technology. Mm hmm. It is. It's one of the original technologies. Mm. Funny enough, they used to make paper out of cannabis reeds. That's where the original word cannabis came from. Yeah, Dutch for um, cannabisium for cannabis, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of history. That's what I heard. But there's documents in museums written on cannabis paper. In the areas where they live near rivers, it was reeds and what are the water reeds called? Not the cat of nine tails kind, but it was river reeds and cannabis hemp fibers. Hmm. I don't know about that. I don't know what they're called. I mean, mm-hmm. I still got to work on that. Cannabis hemp fibers. <clears throat> they were just called hemp. The hemp fiber. Because cannabis is the technical name. Hemp is the non-smokable version that's grown, that doesn't grow flowers. And the fibers are from the core of the center of it. So the cannabis hemp core. Like coca cola. Mm. But speaking of a little bit of history, I got a, another article. I got it linked in the comments or in the link bar. History of astronomy, education and history of astronomy. 
And this is from Harvard EDU because I try to use verified sources. You know, they got a good name to them. I've been doing a lot of research. History. Not only is astronomy the oldest science with a rich and instructive history, but many of its most important observations are available only in archival data, such as the HCO plate stacks of nearly 500,000 glass plate photographs, or in historical records. The Wolbach Library at CFA is especially is especially complete and is part of the world's largest university library, which includes an unusually fine collection of rare astronomy classics. From the time to time, a history lecture is presented in the weekly colloquialism. The history of astronomy provides insights into the develop development and nature of science itself. Education. The CFA Science Education Department provides the home for several National Science Foundation funded projects designed to improve the teaching of science in U.S. schools and universities. Within these projects, teachers collaborate with CFA scientists to develop hands-on activities, computer simulations, and hardware, and text materials for the teaching of earth science, astronomy, and physics. Opportunities exist for involvement by graduate students, teachers, and scientists through sabbaticals, fellowships, and summer institute programs. I think that's pretty cool. It is very, very cool. <clears throat> I concur. I'd like to know more. Me too. It has associated web pages to it with the CFA education and outreach links in the science education department. I'd love to take a sabbatical and go study astronomy and astrology for a while. Um, you know, I've often thought about things like that. And uh, the, the thing is, is that it can be done. It's one of the reasons why I've been practicing writing for so long because it can be done once, you know, because I have this large body of work. When you have that and you can write a proposal, that's what it's all about. Write a proposal and uh, you can get awarded anywhere from, you know, $100 to $100,000 or more uh, for a project if it's, if it's proposed the correct way. Oh, I'm catching an idea in my head. Ha, ha, ha. You know, write, a, write it up in APA style and all that, and it uh, can take over. Yeah. I will, I've always wanted a conservatory where I could teach farming and bring in other instructors to teach farming, but teach it from an astronomy or astrologica standpoint, just in case the world fails out. Because, I, hey, Jay, <laughs> I'm saying I'm being optimistic here. Just Jade is here. How you doing? Jade came along for a wild ride earlier today, but none of that shall be spoken of in this room. No, because we are in a happy place of learning the history of astrology. 
Speak for yourself. You're in a happy place. I'm learning about the history of astronomy or astrology, same thing, with you. I don't have to be happy about it. What are you, what are you trying to ruin my reputation? You are such a grump. You are the... Oh, fine. I'll let you be black coffee and I'll be cream and sugar. I'll settle for yes. Grumpy Monkey. Hey, Jade, you have kids, right? Don't you know the Grumpy Monkey story? Inquiring minds want to know. But, um, yeah, so you you have uh, uh, some pulled together some nice little details there. And it's um, it's one of those things that you can reflect upon and go Absolutely. back to. I'm keeping these podcast notes as some really cool live notes because when you I get this concession. Hmm? Are you talking about the ones in your book or are you talking about taking a transcripts later? What do, you, what do you mean? Taking transcripts later and using them, especially with the time. conservatory. Like, the, even though I say if the world as we know it changes, you say when the world as we know it changes. But when I want to teach people how to farm based on the astrological principles and not just the scientific principle of its own because it's very important for people to know how to track stars and when to plant and when to get rid of weeds and what weed killers are used naturally not using the damn chemical cleansers or chemicals because we're killing the soil off and there's not a lot of people left with this information because I realized when I was studying in college, I studied under a professor who was in his 60s when I met him. And he never neglected to tell us that the only reason he's still teaching was because everybody else that knew the knowledge he had was dead. He retired out of the Army, taught at a PWI for 20 years, retired from there. I was like, oh, I don't feel like sitting down and staying down too long. So he came back to his alma mater and taught there as well and he taught you know how badass you got to be to teach a class out of your own book and it's worldwide published yeah um i think i think i can get a feeling of that yeah you're already on your way you're already on your way to it because the funny thing is this man has been the leading soil solarization scientist since the 70s, nobody has been able to top his research. Now, I continued a lot of his research, but nobody has been able to top it yet. They can't come up with a better organic gardening tool wow. to get rid of bugs. Bugs. Hmm? I knew we were going to get to talk about bugs. Yes. The creepy crawly stuff. Let's talk about bugs, baby. Let's talk about, <laughs> hey, Brady. What's up, Brady? Hey. Hi, Amanda. Hey, ladies. How you doing? What up? I love bugs. Me too. You know, um, I don't have much of a bug problem in my garden, but my garden isn't all that. 
that great right now either. So <laughs> it's not much oh, to yeah. look at right now. Did you know, uh, uh, Sicily, that Brady um, has a community garden? I didn't. Him and Andrew. Andrew has one too, right? <clears throat> um, Possibly. Anyone can have one. I mean, you just start a garden in your community. Buy the boom, buy the bang. Community garden. Hey man, don't be a a smart ass. I'm not. It's it's, it's literally that easy. It's literally that easy. I know. See, Brady's not catching on to my sarcasm. I'm sorry, Brady. (laughs) But uh, it's uh, interesting. You talk about uh, plants and their interaction with the cycles and whatnot of nature and. How I think, you know, if you consider what a plant's enemy is, you know, it has not just predators, but especially plants that maybe don't have predators. The enemy is nature and the, the rhythms of nature and winter coming and all that kind of stuff. And how are we going to survive past these points? And this is all epigenetic memory that's been collectively passed down through the plants. And, you know, I, I personally have been, I, I wonder if like the almanac is probably the closest thing I have to any kind of ancestral knowledge like that. Um, But I've learned just kind of watching the plants, getting to know the plants by growing them myself. You know, you kind of get to know what they need and what they want when the perfect time to do the thing is and all that jazz. And, you know, all the science on that is changing all the time too. And I was wondering if, if you heard about the copper rods that go in, maybe either one of you could explain the copper rod effect. Copper rods. Yes. You mean how they put it in the soil to make? Um, yeah, it, it, can it kind of puts chi back into the soil. Is the way they explain it, kind of like electricity in some kind of way. It's a it's and, a grounding effect because copper helps them electrons flow. And the copper is sticking up out of the ground like an antenna. Uh, kind of pulling in that pranic energy and, into the soil. And another thing that we've kind of recently learned is that the the iron that we use in our instruments to till the soil is actually damaging the soil. I hope I'm not getting too off topic. I just talk, I could talk about plants all day. <laughs> no, but especially falls in the category. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, the magnetism of the soil is affected in a negative way by all these iron particles that end up in there. And so that just goes to show you that these subtle energetic effects that we might kind of overthink really play a role in. It's also antimicrobial copper. So it kills like different fungus and shit like that. Yes, because that's one thing is high, high fungal content in the soil. So we don't necessarily want so much copper that we're killing fungus, but I think they found that the copper is just better than iron as far as particles being found in the soil. And before I make some room for Amanda, I had one more point. I forgot it already. Okay. Give me one second. Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear me? I can hear you well. How are you? 
Hi, I'm okay. So, I, I, so an overview of the month in history. I must have missed that part. Yes, I was reading. I did the actual reading. Well, I'll give you a brief overview. Cause I'm, I'm like, I was looking for, I was hoping for a little guidance. I'm, I'm having, I'm having confusing pushes and pulls. So I was just curious. But oh, I can yes. listen. Brady's saying that you post the episode, so I can, I can listen to it, to it after you post it, so you don't have to repeat yourself. I will give you a brief overview because you came up and asked so sweetly. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I appreciate you. If you were feeling a little bit off at the New Year's, the month of January's reading was saying that we had two planets in Mercury, well, Mercury in retrograde and Mars in retrograde. So the planet of action and the planet of communication makes us feel like we're in a rut and they were triangulated together. So they were working effectively against what we were moving for. Uranus was also in retrograde. It's a five month long one. So it feels like we're stuck the way it's described is Saturn is being stuck in the past. Uranus is being stuck in the future. And we're hanging right in the middle of that unknown feeling. So we've been feeling like we're in limbo. So once we get past the 22nd into Aquarius season, we'll see Mercury and Mars out of retrograde. And we'll be able to kind of formulate a better month so far. The article I was reading from astrology.com was saying that it would be best to wait to set our intentions till after the retrogrades are over. So you may still be feeling some of those icky effects of communication problems and problem with taking action as well. I hope that helped. More than you could possibly know. Thank you very, very much. You really helped a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's okay. like a tug of war between the past and the future. I'm you're speaking my language. I'm just saying, you know, I I I I might use different vocabulary, but everything you said just resonated hard on me. That's all. Thank you. I appreciate. It. No problem. I've definitely been feeling the effects because I've been losing papers I've written. I've been losing astrology notebooks. I'm like, where's my stuff? But I was trying to force myself past the retrogrades and all of the lingering energy. It's advised that we kind of sit and pinpoint what we were messing up on in 2022 while we wait for it to be over. And then when we come forward, I like to think of retrograde energy as a slingshot. We're being pulled all the way back so we can spring completely forward with our next intention. So that's the feeling in the pit of my stomach right now. That like anticipation of being flung forward. Yes. <laughs> right on, right on. May you have a wonderful day. Thank you for, for making my day better. No problem. That's what I'm here for. Rock on. Brady, Brady. You know about the Brady Bunch? <laughs> Come on back. I appreciate you, Amanda. <laughs>
I always tell people I'm 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 a Brady like Wayne Brady. Uh, <laughs> not Tom Brady. <laughs> like like Tom Brady, like no, nah, more like Wayne Brady. <laughs> but uh, I remembered what I was gonna say is that us people, us humans, we're a lot like plants in that way. You know, we're affected by subtle energies, just the same way plants are similar in similar ways that plants are. Uh, some of those ways are just the frequency of light itself, just the the color of the light we're receiving can affect uh, all kinds of things. And even with plants, the type of color they receive, the light, the frequencies of the light waves will affect the kinds of nutrients they produce, uh, their expression, their epigenetic expression, all kinds of cool things. And I've found personally that plants really like the morning sunlight and uh, not tend to not be so big fans of the evening sunlight. They always do better uh, with the eastern-facing sunlight and western shade. Well, this is kind of like a rule of thumb for me. But I was wondering what kind of... Uh, what you've come up with in your recognitions of the cycles of nature and their effect on plants and where can we get more of your material? I could certainly use your help this spring. I, w I really want to do this spring. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm bank. I need your help. <laughs> oh, I got to bring out some of my old writing material. I got it stored away somewhere, but I will say that early morning sunlight is some of the best sunlight because it's the most yellow. They can get a certain, type of nutrients like blue lights and purple lights are used in grow houses because they're trying to maximize growth and start with a new cycle but morning sunlight is probably the least powerful as well because you notice you can give them sunburn plants can get sunburned fairly easily if they're in too direct of a sun or the sun is too high up in the well not too high up but Midday, a lot of plants will need cover because they can burn. But the early morning sunlight, and if they get shade towards 12 a.m., 12 p.m., it becomes a lot softer on them. And also during the early mornings, they still have dew on them. So that's like natural sunscreen. So if you live in a place that's really, really hot in the middle of the day, you may have to mist or spray water out in the middle of the day just so they can transpirate the water through their leaves and not burn. Yeah, plants need to to stay hydrated, man. <clears throat> they can get sunburned just like just like we can. Man, I almost I, I'm gonna tell y'all I lost a relationship with a Leo over an argument with a plant about plants. <laughs> 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 oh man, it's so so sad. I loved her so much, but like she was just, she did not take criticism lightly. And, you know, it was like I was trying to let her know that she wasn't watering her cactus enough. And people don't think that cactus need a lot of water, but um, they, they love a good soak, just like a rain. You know, so her philosophy was that she was just giving them like a little tiny bit of water. And the thing that would happen is that water would evaporate before it ever had a chance to absorb. Yeah. And so they were they were drowning or they were they were uh drying up you know and uh i told her like you need to give him some more more water she's like did you just tell me how to water my cactus i'm like <laughs> yeah 
like I'm not trying to mansplain, but like I'm just letting you know your babies are thirsty. <laughs> like you know, like I don't know, but yeah, that was the beginning of the end of that relationship. And uh, funny thing, uh, my my reading on CoStar, I, I was actually reading reading mine to uh, Hakeem earlier, and it says, "Beware of the story you spin of yourself and another human," uh, which interestingly ties into the theme of this week quite a bit so uh the theme for the week says how well do you know them and how well do you want to um and then uh yeah kind of interesting uh it says beware your story beware of the story you spend of yourself and another human and it said something about the the battle of tongues oh yeah today the battle is sharp tongue against sharp tongue and you're forced to consider other people's opinions. Your belief that you have nothing new to say is causing you to compartmentalize. Observe your impulses. Let someone appreciate your intellectual tenacity. But um, yeah, co-star, sometimes it's so spot on that I feel like it's A, listening to me, and B, like trying to control my behavior. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? It could be yeah. both. Because, I mean, here's what it says under the do section. The do section says method acting, collaborations, and flip the script, which is exactly what I've been talking about for the last three days, you know? And then here, this says under the don't section, it says don't leader of the pack, don't public breakdown, don't defeatism. And those have been some interesting themes of the last few days as well. And this thing is, it's it's just... You know, I, I, I started off very scientific about it. I did not believe in astrology. And in going in to debunk astrology, I became a believer. <laughs> like so many things. Like, like so many things, you know, like I, I could go on. But that's just an example from my life. How, how does your co-star look today? Let me pull it up because mine are usually something very... I've been having a lot of transits with Neptune and Uranus because I have them both in Capricorn. So I've been feeling blah. What are you, by the way? I don't think I remember what you or Hakeem are. I know I'm an Aquarius, so I'd love to get to know y'all on an astrological level a little better. So, I am an Aries. Are you? I'm an Aries sun, Taurus moon, Taurus rising. Aries, Virgo, 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 Virgo. Wow, cool. I okay. am Aquarius, Aquarius, Leo, Libra. I think. Oh, that's a nice combo. Right, we're a cool team. Um, let's see. Yeah, I would be Ascendant Leo, and Sun in Capricorn, Moon in Aquarius, Ascendant in Leo. But it's, but I'm an Aquarius. Um, I don't know if it has my birthday right, if I gave it a fake birthday or what. Yeah. <laughs> I might need to like, I might need to fix this or like edit my um, profile if it's possible. You know, that's something that's interesting. I, I found I could not find a way to edit my birth time or my birthday. Mm, you may have to go back in. Yeah. yeah, I have my birth certificate so I can actually get the legitimate, you know, time and all that kind of jazz. And 
I could not, I could not find it. Could not find a way to change my settings. I can change um, my, pro, my profile photo. Um, no pressure, but I feel like I feel like this might be a little bit off. But in the same way, it's still spitting out some kind of, you know, pertinent information. Seems to be. I will. I'm gonna read my header for today. You want to talk about nice. funny? Yes. Communicate via pheromones. Do Greek <laughs> myths right? Do Greek myths, film cameras, arcade games? Don't the rules cherry picking? And I told you so. That's cool. I mean, those are. It's always good advice, even if I feel like it's not like right on. I feel like that's eh, pretty good advice for the most part, right? It's pretty much for the general public, I think. It's a really good general piece of information. I do have one more article to read today, a little bit of history of astronomy. This is based on astronomy. And if anybody's new to the chat, astronomy and astrology used to be under the same header of astrologica. And it was taught in tandem with philosophy. And I've learned from a philosophy major, someone with a PhD in philosophy, that all three used to be under the umbrella of philosophy. But there is a brief history of astronomy here. And this is from the abyss.universityoforegon.edu. History of astronomy. We have very little in the form of recorded information on early man's impression of the heavens. Mostly some drawings of eclipses, comets, supernovae, such as Pueblo, Petrograph, seen below. However, early man was clearly frightened and overwhelmed by the sky. One of the earliest recorded astronomical observations is the Nebra sky disk from Northern Europe dating from approximately 1,600 BC. This 30 centimeter bronze disk depicts the sun, a lunar crescent, and the stars, including Pleiades star cluster, the star cluster. The disk is probably a religious symbol as well as a crude astronomical instrument or calendar. In the Western Hemisphere, similar understandings of basic stellar, stellar and planetary behavior was developing. For example, Native American culture around the same time were leaving rock drawings or petroglyphs of astronomical phenomena. The clearest example is found below, a petroglyph which depicts the 1006 AD supernova that resulted in the Crab Nebula. Early man also believed that the heavens held the power over earthly existence, psychology of the unknown, which is the origins of the pseudoscience astrology and an attempt to understand, predict, and influence events. The earliest written record, i.e. history, were astronomical observations produced by the Babylonians in 1600 BC, who recorded positions of the planets, times of eclipses, etc., there is also evidence of interest in astronomical phenomena from the early Chinese, Central American, and Northern European cultures, such as stone, 
Stonehenge, which is a big computer for calculating the positions of the planets and the sun, i.e. when that big blowout solstice thing. That's interesting that they put that as an example. Thus, astronomy was the first science, as it was the first thing that was recorded for us to observe. Later in history, 5,000 to 20,000 20, years ago, humankind began to organize themselves and develop what we know now call culture, a human sense of permanence in your daily existence leading up to the development of culture, where people develop narrative stories for cultural unity that we now call myths. Most myths maintain supernatural themes with gods and divine and semi-divine figures, but there was usually an internal logical consistency to the narrative. For example, myths are often attempts at rational explanation of, of events in the everyday world. Their goal was to teach. Even if we consider some of these stories to be ridiculous, they were, in some sense, our first scientific theories. They also usually follow a particular religion, and so this time is characterized by the close marriage of science and religion. And I've done a good amount of research. And what I've come down to is astronomy is the study for predictors. Astrology is the study for interpreters. So imagine if you lived 1600s, even before then, and you were trying to understand what was going on in the world the basis of psychology, the basis of people. If you did not study at the astronomer or philosophy schools, if you were, say, for instance, you were just a baker or an ironsmith, you performed a vital role in that history and that society, but you may have never learned to read. So if you never learned to read, how would you know what's going on in the world? So in my idea... Astrologers were the first news broadcasters. They have the mythos along with the mathematics and the sacred geometry to tell stories in ways that people could understand. It may seem as a pseudoscience, but they were taught in conjunction all the way up to Sir Isaac Newton. He was the first one that didn't study astrology and astronomy together under astrologia but up until then it was the way to explain complex mathematics to regular people and that's a very crucial point regular <laughs> regular regular schmegular people so a lot of people my astrological sign there's no science to it there's actually some math to it it's on the scale of degrees. It's a sacred circle divided. We have 12 planets, and each of those 12 planets is divided by 30 degrees. And depending on where that degree is, is how tight the angle is and how much that planet will affect this particular transition. I noticed that a lot of people feel as if a lot of people that only know their sun sign say that astrology has is hogwash. It has no real relevance. But it's like a data system of newscasters from 10,000 years 
And it's a divination process. It was a way for the holy man and the regular people to commune. But also it played a significant part in history because think about it. The astronomers predicted the eclipse coming. And if you've ever seen the movie Apocalypto or any movie of that nature, when the sun eclipses the moon, they always predicted that something amazing would happen. So they would take the astrologer priests and tell them to interpret to the people. And depending on who was paying and what um, faction was it. Hey, Brady, you're back. Yeah. Or what faction? Um, you know, science or astrology is not an exact science the same way that psychology is not an exact science. Like we don't have a working model of consciousness and we don't have a working model of like a unified field theory of physics, you know, and we really don't have a working model of uh, astrophysics, very, even on the N Newtonian level. Well, I guess we do have a pretty good working model of uh, astrophysics on the Newtonian level. But when it comes to the subtle energies, it's uh, a whole new frontier that is just now starting to open to science. And I think they might come... They might be coming back around to astrology uh, from a more scientific perspective, I think. Uh yeah, and Andrew says economics are also very far from an exact science. Like, astrology has always been called valuable because it's not 100% accurate. But I know but very, very few science that they're 100% accurate. Yeah, I think it was Warren like Buffett. Sorry. I think it was Warren Buffett or some rich dude who said uh, millionaires don't believe in astrology. Billionaires. You know what? You might have been on to something. Before, but I'd like to point out also that Miss um, Jade said that uh, my friend who is a triple Virgo and a total badass, and she put the uh, TikTok there. I'm going to have to look at that later. Thanks for the nod. <laughs> <laughs> he is. That's why he's my analytics and pretty much my backbone some days because he has that mercutial communication style that really helps me because I'm a Mercury in Pisces. My communication can sometimes sound like I'm talking with marbles in my mouth. And he's like, okay, focus. Let's, let's go do something. Let's get it done, you know? Did Hakeem and get her done? Colin? Hmm? Hmm? How did you find out about Definitely Hakeem. Nice. And one for Hakeem. He's, he's consistently, I think he's got the high score for coolest people invited to Colin. Yeah, he brought the chill astrologer farmer girl. <laughs> I just came to share a little information and have some fun. That's right. It's um, we be jamming on the on the astrology tip. I also love to just share and do chart readings. If there's anybody that has any astro questions, I'll still be open for that too. This was just I wanted to give a brief introduction of history and things like that. I got a double definition oh. the other day on the last show. It was awesome. It was pretty cool. 
Oh yeah, Brady, I gotta know what house is your Venus in? Cause I was getting into it the last time and then we couldn't find it. Cause I know you're an Aquarius Venus, but I gotta know the house. See, I don't know because I think I might have the wrong information here in stupid old uh, CoStar, which is what I'm using for my chart. So I have no idea, dude. Uh, according to this, uh, which I, I presume I at least got my birthday right, but it says Sun in Capricorn. And um, I know I'm on the cusp of Capricorn and Aquarius, but unless they change the day, I should be an Aquarius according to all the standard definitions of an Aquarius. It also uh, depends on the time of day because Aquarius moves, the sun moves into Aquarius at 12.53 p.m. on the 22nd this year. Yeah. Oh, interesting. On the 22nd. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would put me at a Capricorn now. Mm-hmm. Could that be the case? That could be the case. Did I I convert it into a Capricorn? Am I a trans astrologer? (laughs) (laughs) No, you're trans sign. Wow. Could that be what happened? Yes, that does happen. A lot of people have cusp energy. Like I was born at the very beginning of Aries season. I'm seven days in and I also have a Pisces Mercury. So a lot of times people say, I don't have the fiery outlook of Aries. I seem a little more docile than the typical Aries. And I'm like, well, it's doled down by a moon and rising in Taurus and a, Mar- a Mars and Mercury in water sign. So I'm pretty mellow. That is interesting. See, I, I, I learn one or two, three, four, five new things every time I tune in. It's pretty cool. I appreciate you stopping in. Ooh, I do want to give a little bit of preface for Uranus energy for everybody. Because a little known fact, not only do Mars and Venus affect your love life, but Uranus as well as Neptune affect love life as well. Don't have to tell me twice. Uranus is the planet of individuality and keeping your individuality. And Neptune is the planet of losing yourself and others, faith, hope, and inspiration. So it's transformation and inspiration. And another note I'd like to make, every time that Uranus completes its 84-year-old cycle, we have a war in America. The first time was the Civil War. The second time is when we started getting into World War. And the third time, I think we're coming up on the third time, but we also have Pluto coming right behind it, finishing it out its cycle. And when Pluto returns, we have a massive restructuring and transformation of whatever nation it is. That's what a lot of people call the end of an age outside of the end of an age, like going from Pisces to Aquarius. But they mark it as the end of the civilization. I think the Mayan calendar ended on 2012 that way as well. So we're coming up on some really big transitions. The change of power is looking really, really funky. A lot of people are scared, but I just want to ride the wave and see it. 
I'm kind of wanting the wave to be a really big one. But I didn't know I was training. You waited for that to wash the wave and wash away all of the bullshit. That's what that's what waves are for. Yeah, ready for that great flood as the age of Aquarius comes in. Waves are for surfing, my what's dude. Up, uh, what's up, Paul? How you doing? Paul, perceptions today. How y'all doing? Also, there was one more thing I wanted to note about money. I always like to bring up money when I come through with history of astrology. And a lot of people don't know there's 24 placements in a birth chart. But one of the biggest things for me is money by house. And it depends on where your Venus, Pluto, and it's one more. Venus, Pluto, and Mars are at. That's your houses of action when it comes to money. So the first house, where you spend your money and what do you use it for? First house, yourself. Your general appearance. Second house, investments, luxury items, and treats. Third house, short journeys, gadgets, and reading matters. Fourth house, which is considered the home, life, place of the chart. It's like the house of early foundations. You spend it on home and family, nostalgia, and the less dominant parent. The fifth house is for fun, children, creative projects, and gambling. The sixth house, which is ruled by Virgo, your health, diet, pets, and clothes. The seventh house, other people, gifts, and legal matters. The seventh house is the house of relationships. The eighth house, shared expenditures, sex, and anything mysterious. That's the house that rules Scorpio, of course. The ninth house... Long journeys, holidays, further education. That's Sag's favorite. The 10th house is status symbols, power, dressing, and the dominant parent. 10th house is career goals. That's the house of Capricorn. That's where it lives. 11th house is hobbies, friends, your social groups, and societies. That's Aquarius' home place. And the 12th house, which is where my son and Venus live, is charity and the things that you keep secret. The 12th house is always something about a secret. I don't have a lot of secrets here, but that's the thing. And Amanda, if you want to come back up and get an astro reading, you can. I can definitely that's give right, you some pieces. Let's do an astro... Uh, what? A horoscope. Yeah. Hey, Perceptions. I'm doing good today, too. Hope y'all are doing all right. All right, Amanda. If you got any questions, let me know. By the way, Perceptions uh, is also known as Paul, just so if you to remember. Okay, Paul. I'll keep that up. Keep that. So, Amanda... Do you have any birth chart readings or have you ever had one? I think she she's still on mute. Oh, she's not in the queue yet. There she goes. Let me ah, okay. There we go. Get her in there. All right. 
Cindy. Hello. I wasn't trying to ignore you. I just wasn't able to uh, speak yet. <laughs> so, so when you do a reading, so how do you approach it? I approach it from birth, day, time, and place. And if you don't remember your birth time, a good even place to start is at 12 a.m. if you were born at night or 12 p.m. if you were born during the day. Well, I do have my birth time, actually. So, we're set there. So... Pulled up now. I oh, I forgot to put my favorite link in the comments. Astroseek.com does a it's a bunch of free services where you can learn your charts. Oh, cool! Astroseek.com. I put it in the comment. Astro Seek. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Astro Seek, yes. So I've I've got you ready for my birthday? Yes. Give me one second to pull it up. Yep. As long as you need. <laughs> Astro Seek. It's one of my favorites because it has all the different varieties of charts that you can make. Mm. And it's all free. I haven't had a paid service on here yet, so I've been using it for years. Okay. Well, that's great. Okay. February 4th. Okay. 1970. And 6.55 a.m. All right. And uh, Walnut Creek, California. USA, California. I'm going to calculate you up now. Oh, you got a pretty well-rounded chart. Oh, they all the boys say that to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so first house, Aquarius Ascendant. Mm, But you have a lot of planets in your first house. You have your sun, Venus, and north node in the first house. People with Aquarius Ascendants tend to these people are interested in health death secrets capital money enhancement of the occult influence and attractive personalities well except for the capital and money thing which is like antithetical to me i do seem to attract it but i it's not like i don't center my life on it right Oh, and that's... Do you know what I mean? I think that's kind of an important distinction to me, at least. (laughs) I get what you're saying. Even though you're attracted to it, you don't allow... I'm privileged. I'm privileged. I end up with... I end up with resources because I don't know who I am. I don't know. Hey, I wonder um, if that... If we have some similarities because of that, uh, Sicily, because of how, like, I just always have everything that I always need, like resources plus, you know? I wonder if that we have some similarities somewhere dealing with that. 
You remember how I was saying that the eighth house, you have a Scorpio placement in your eighth house as well. Eighth house is about other people's money and getting inheritances. Inheritances. Yes, that's right. Inheritances. So it's the eighth house in Scorpio. Okay, mm -hmm. I got you. But she has Aquarius in the eighth house, but she also has a tenth house in Scorpio with her ruler being in the eighth house. People with Scorpio in the tenth house cusp determine are determined to succeed. They are driven to succeed by anything they do, and their willpower is impressive and stunning. There are they are very good at occupations that involve searching for information, information, researching information, or things that will solve serious issues. They seem very capable and content, confident. Their inventiveness and determination and diligence create a powerful combination. So you got the stellar of a 10th house placement. Wow. That's like really a little bit overwhelming. But but do go on. I'm flattered. <laughs> there must be a downside. No, a lot. There is what you have so far. You got conjunctions, sextiles, and parallel. So you have Neptune and Pluto running parallel together in the 10th house. The work of these people often involves secrets, extreme conditions, or risk-taking. For example, stock exchange, surgery, psychology, psychology, or esotericism. Yeah, I can't really, I can't, I can't really say how that, how that actually is true because it's true. How's that? <laughs> So psychology and esotericism, um, that could have to do with um, her political interests. Yep. But also I'd like to highlight the fact that you have sun in Aquarius, but it's in your first house. So you present with that same Uranus aspect. And sun in the first house, the sun in the first house forms a powerful connection with the ascendant and creates a personality that corresponds with its zodiac sign. It gives people the sense of identity, vitality, and self-confidence. People are more spontaneous and outgoing because of their personality is more complete. The sun gives them determination, leadership skills, and initiative. Their thinking is optimistic and often cheerful. I am kind of annoying on some days. You can ask anybody that's here. Probably even <laughs> come guzzler, I'm guessing. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there's a there's a character on here named Come Guzzler. Sorry, I oh, wouldn't have acknowledged it, but I'm just saying everybody kinda knows some stuff about some people, you know. Right. This is really amazing, Cecily. I really appreciate you taking the time and energy to help explain some of this stuff. Because it all feels right, mostly. Yeah, it's going to be, as I read more in depth and get into, this is just the basis of the planets where they are in your chart. Right, right. Add the houses to it. It becomes even more catered and special to you because I've never seen two charts that line up exactly the same even if they have the same birthday right or in the same right. I would like to 
talk about my favorite house because you have your moon in my favorite house and it's considered the house of insanity and dark secrets and trouble and esotericism. You have your moon where my sun and Venus are. Moon in the 12th house. The moon in the 12th house creates loners who sometimes have the need to move away from everyday life. These people usually do not find emotional stability in personal relationships and they often feel lonely. They're easily influenced and they react on subtle influences of the environment. These individuals are kind and warm-hearted. They may work for a charity, hospital, or other large institution that serves for the good of others. They are not able to express themselves well because their emotions are often confused. The moon in the 12th house emphasizes that these people will feel secure only when they distance themselves from others. That's my love life, so... <laughs> We're one. We're in the same boat there. So, so because the moon is in where now? So, Your what is this? Moon my moon is in Capricorn, Sorry. the twelfth house. Okay, my moon is in the twelfth house. Okay, mm -hmm. and that makes me a loner. Oh, fucking me. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I don't mean to swear. Right. But just like when all the other stuff is ringing so true, like it's really hard to like not at least question the things that don't immediately feel true. But then I like also want to question the things that do feel immediately true because they do feel good sometimes, you know. How do you feel about it when you do like when you're doing these kinds of things? I feel pretty lighthearted. Because astrology for me isn't like a death sentence, 100%. This is concrete. This is how your life is going to go kind of thing. But it shines a light on the subconscious pieces that we don't often look at. And it's it's not like, oh, this is you 100%. But if you've never noticed your tendency to do this or your tendency when you get stuck to do this, it shines a light to it. That's, that's, thank you. That's a very helpful way of framing it. I appreciate you. Yeah, I try not to make it so life or death because that's the part of the watering down of modern astrology. They water it down so badly that it's like, oh, if this person's Venus does not align with your Mercury, you'll never work. And that's pretty hyperbole. That's like... You can work with any person if you would like, but if you don't have a roadmap or a fingerprint of you, how can you align with somebody else's fingerprint and work in harmony? I mean, I, 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 I can't, I can't think of a reason. I can't think of a way. I mean, the, you're totally right. I, 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 the last time I had my, um, the last time I had a reading. Um, we went through all the houses and stuff, and there was like, it was looking bleak on the love life front, which was bumming me out. And it sounds like that's just kind of my natural state of being now. But I'm just curious I can help if you, you have any thoughts about that. Okay, I got I got a good view for it because you have Venus and Aquarius. People with Venus and Aquarius have an open and experimental approach to relationships and art. 
on the one hand, it can be both relaxing and stimulating because it lets other people relax and be themselves. But on the other hand, it may be harder to understand their feelings because their style may be disturbing, shocking, or weird. They want to satisfy all types of people with their liberal attitude, but if they do not adhere to some moral code, their relationships will end with their partners finding out that their broad-mindedness and free spirits are only a manifestation of hidden, hidden objections. Their cold and impersonal personality may be okay on social may be okay on social events or with friends, but it may be the reason why some who somebody who is more than friends leaves them. That's kind of bleak, but you also have Venus in the first house. Venus in the first house tells us that the influence that its influence will be reflected in the personality of the person in the way he or she treats others. It means extraordinary personal grace and a pleasant, kind and friendly behavior. It creates social people with generally positive attitudes towards life. These people try to develop their personal relationships. It is very useful for them because it can help them in their social life and building a career. They can also appreciate the good aspects of life and they hope that they will be able to enjoy them. They must avoid being stuck up. Now this is a general reading. But I do have my astrology book open in front of me, so I can give you a little bit of love life advice. I I, have- I I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. But I already what you've said makes a lot of sense in a very current situation context. So you already okay. So when we're looking at love love and sex and relationships we look at where venus is in the 12 houses and in this one they give a good amount of word associations emphasis on this is venus in the first house your appearance tact charm pleasing others and a busy social life potential pitfalls valuing people and things according to the way they look putting your partner first then resenting it Places to meet a partner. Yeah. (laughs) I'll read read mine. Just to not make you feel so bad, I'll read mine. I'm Venus in the 12th house. And Venus in the 12th house is emphasis on doing your best to be liked, keeping emotional secrets, and having some time for yourself. Potential pitfalls, secretly wanting to be loved and admired, feeling guilty about satisfying your own emotional needs. So, you know, it's a little give and take on all of them. I don't know. I, I don't think you hide your desire to be liked. I think you've got that one beat. I mean, you're clearly likable. <laughs> Ask Hakeem how many conversations we've had about me worrying about being liked and not liked. Like, what am I going to do? And he's like, it's okay to be concerned, but don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. Hurry is not- yeah, yeah, Hakeem's right, yeah, for sure. Very wise. And I would like to say that your Venus is strengthened by the sun, so you have a warm, courteous, and charming creative manage- manner, but you need to be liked and sometimes self-indulgent. And then it also 
Oh, and it's aspected by Pluto as well. Emotionally intense, may be scared of being hurt, and is preferable to stay single. Can be jealous and suspicious, but not saying that you necessarily are, but you can be. Oh, I cause jealous and suspicion. <laughs> yeah, that's that open nature. What? Yeah. You pegged me. You pegged me. I don't know. How do you know me? How did you do that? That's amazing. I also want to go into, because I'm really just going into your love advice right now. You have Mars in the perfect planet. You have Mars in Aries. And it does this little word association piece with Mars and Aries. It says, you want action. Things must happen quickly. Love of the chase. Plenty of exciting and daring sex. How to get what you want by being direct, assertive, being good fun, and making the first move. What turns you on? Your own, is it erroneous? Yes, erroneous. Is it E-R-R-E-O-N-E-O-U-S? Yes. The erroneous zones are around your head and ears. Me too. Control your impatience. Low boredom threshold, independence, and desire for the next sexual conquest. And then there's Mars in the second house. Emphasis on material values such as making your own money and owning possessions. Potential pitfalls. Boasting about what you own. Putting your relationship second. And assets first. Places to meet a partner in a shop while Wait, could you just pause? I want to absorb that last one before you go on to the next one because I think I need to absorb it because I'm not feeling like I'm materialistic the way that it was described. So just give me a sec. I want to absorb it. Okay. <laughs> when, when I mean material, the Aries in Mars, Mars and Aries is about independence so you may not be materialistic but the second house is the house of material gains gotcha so one of the places to meet a partner would be in a shop while fighting for bargains at a bank or atms and that's not saying that's exactly where you'll meet a partner but it is a low-hanging fruit if you ever want to know where you can kind of sort of hang out and figure some things out. But when we get into the aspects, you have Mars in opposition to Uranus. And that denotes daring and unconventional. Wants sexual relationships to have unpredictable or an experimental quality. Yeah, This is like really... I can't even say. I'm not going to (laughs) say. It's just like a little bit of a fingerprint. And I really appreciate you coming up here for me to read you. Because I'm looking at Uranus in the eighth house as well. Because it's Mars, Venus, Uranus, and Neptune. Mars is the planet of action and how you, it's the sex planet. Venus is money and passion. 
Uranus is individuality and Neptune is that dreamy sense of trying to lose yourself in another. So you have Uranus in the eighth house and that denotes an attraction to unusual sexual relationships or maybe no sex at all can be drawn to partners that represent a sexual taboo. Uh, so you know, I, 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 I might have to use this episode as a, as a relationship resume, Cicely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's helping. Oh, and then we have Neptune in the 10th house. That is the, the romanticism, wanting to lose yourself in another place. It says you may be attracted to partners who are well-known. Mixed feelings about a parent can, can affect sexual relationships because the 10th house is opposite to the 4th house. That is your more dominant parent. And the 4th house is the lesser dominant parent. So there might be a couple of kinks in there, but overall, you're pretty cool. Right on. And it's not really. Thank you. Not, I'm not hearing anything that's no problem. I'm not hearing anything that's just like, oh, Lord, she's going to do it. love. <laughs> we just have to do it. Sounds like I'm going to have fun, which is kind of the plan to have fun. Is it only kind of the plan? Well, you know, you have to leave opening for possibilities. You don't know what doors might open. And if you don't keep your uh, peripheral vision keen, you might, you might miss an open door. That's a good one to go through. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, that's the exact idea, because I'm looking at one more aspect. You have Pluto in conjunct with Neptune, and that's an interesting one, because, let's get to it. Where did it go? I just had it. It gives, let's see, in Virgo. Okay. You're very selective about who you look hook up with, but you can also be very critical of them. So it's a very selective process. You got a hand. Oh, picking. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Which isn't really a bad thing because it's, it's kind of good to be picky on who you're sleeping with. Oh, for sure. I'm a highly discriminating flat. <laughs> you know what? I love it, though. As long as you get what you need out of it. That's right. But you got to be discriminating, especially these days, because, you know, you could end up all of a sudden with somebody who is not as open-minded as they at first seemed, or at first I might have imagined. And I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not down to to bum people's night out or bum people's life out. You know, I don't, I I don't deal with that. I hear you. You've. Been
given me so much time and energy. I really appreciate you. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna keep you on here too long. I just wanted to really say thank you because uh, you gave me the kind of boost I needed that that I was hoping to get when I came into this room. So thank you for that. No problem. That's what I'm here for. And I appreciate you being so open and willing to at least dive into it with me because a lot of people jump off into, oh, astrology isn't real until I start reading into the chart and they're like, okay, some of that's true. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the thing is too is that what's really great is to, to have these cross references, not just from the website, but from the book and from your own insight because. You know, it has to be organic in the way that it's done because it's like Andrew said about economics and about what Brady said about psychology and things like that. A lot of times you'll find they're not exact sciences. And so, but because astronomy is, one, is the oldest science and it's, well, astronomy and astrology is its other side of the coin, it's based on mathematics but like Cicely said earlier just a simplified explanation for people who were not yet very educated but over time it's become more sophisticated as it gets closer to astronomy especially with the tools we have nowadays to track things digitally and with computers and software and so they're starting to merge a lot more even if you look on the nasa.gov website you'll see tons of references to astrology in there even though sometimes they kind of tongue-in-cheek it and play around with it by you know like they just name certain spacecrafts orion and things like that but there's a lot more to it um well, more on that later yeah it's a they used to be taught under the same letterhead astrology that's why I have that as the title, because that was the original Latin name. And Jade, what if we don't have any planets in a house? Well, that, take, that house takes on the, its original ruler. It takes on the energy of the original sign that's supposed to be there. So like the first house, you may have an empty first house. It'll take on Aries or Mars energy. Empty fifth house takes on the energy of the sun. Empty twelfth house takes on the energy of Pisces. Each one has, well, the fifth house would take on the energy of Leo, which is the house of the sun. Each one would have its own empty piece. But it doesn't really have like a, it's like an open game, so to speak. The energy ruler would still affected like empty fourth house would still have cancerian energy very much a loving house or basis so it's all in the motion of the chart but i love i love y'all guys questions y'all really really giving me some some energy here you're giving me some life Now, I usually try to keep my shows at an hour and 30 minutes. I don't know how many. Where are we at right now? Because I'm on my bike. I'm not looking. We're at 126. We're at an hour and 26 minutes. What amount of personal info do you need to answer my question? How much more years of life do I have to live? I don't really, I can't Tomorrow. really answer that. 
<laughs> I can't really answer that. I can't tell you what denotes a long life and what doesn't. But if you smoke, drink, and party with spinsters, you might not live too long or you end up missing a kidney in Tijuana somewhere. I would like to do a quick reference to the life paths as we go so far. Was that a low blow at Tijuana? No, it was just a low blow at people losing their kidneys by not being safe. You can get your kidney taken in America, by the way. Just be mindful. I I can't predict the future, but I can give you a bit of a forecast of where you've been. Say, for instance, you have life paths. And life paths go in sections of different places. You have the first seven years or the first seven quarter return. Twelve Every 12 years, Jupiter comes back and returns. At 14 years, you hit the Saturn half return, half quarter return. 24, you get your second Jupiter return. 21, you get the second Saturn quarter return at 29 years old you get your first Saturn's return and Saturn is the planet of restrictions and limitations then your third Jupiter return at 36 years Uranus half return at 42 second half return of Saturn at 45 and so on and so forth but as you've noticed that these if you've ever watched any coming of age story the first seven years, you know, going to junior high school, everything of that nature. Twelve, you hit puberty. That's first Jupiter's return. Twenty-one, you get to the quarter return of Saturn, the coming of age stories. And 29 years old, I've even talked to therapists. When I first started my Saturn's return, because I'm 29 now, when I first started my Saturn's return, I was already versed in astrology for about three or four years. Well, no. At that point, it had been six years, but I had finally started reading other people's charts. And I was talking to an actual psychiatrist. And she was telling me, well, at that age, everyone hits the point of maturity, responsibilities, and transitioning into true adulthood. And I was like, so this actually lines up with the Saturn return transit. And I was asking her for her professional advice as a therapist because I was really going through it. And she was just telling me that we have to ride out the transition and it usually levels out at about 31. That's the end of the Saturn's return. So even though a lot of modern psychiatrists and psychologists don't know the exact science behind it, astrology gives a little bit of a preface to it. Because they've been saying the same thing for years upon years upon years. And there's data that shows the cycles of these planets. Like, if you live to be 84, you'll see Uranus return in your chart. And it'll be your seventh Jupiter return. So you see how it aligns with a lot of the pieces of modern culture, even though they have forgotten its origins. They call astrology a pseudoscience or some wackadoo case study, but it actually has a lot of significance in the world of psychiatry and psychology to this day. Like the Myers-Briggs test has the modalities of 
earth, water, fire, air from astrology. It's one of the oldest practices. And a lot of people tend to throw it away like it just doesn't. It's all hogwash. And here I am talking to therapists and they're telling me things that I learned in astrology years before, but not realizing that I was going to actually have to hit this point. It's amazing, right? My moderator must be on his bike. I'm, what's up? I'm right here. I'm off the bike now. I'm just uh, walking, 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 walking. Well, I'm going to go song, but I'm not going to sing right now. Mm, why not sing? Okay. Walking, 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 walking. Jump, 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 jump. Running, 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 running. Now sit down. Now sit down. <laughs> Perfect. And Jay says, now we stop. I love it. Ooh. That just made a, a song that I, an old song that I knew. And it's based on an interesting little principle. It's like, if I rule the world, Imagine I free all my sons. Black diamonds and pearls. It just reminds me of the houses because the darkest house you have all the suns all of the leos all of the darker houses the 12th houses the 11th house they're considered places of insanity darkness um hidden knowledge evil things like the 12th house also rules mental institutions and asylums and hospitals and charity work and giving and self-sacrifice and self-destruction. So I want to free all the sons of the 12th house by giving them the knowledge of this, their charts. Because without the knowledge of their charts, how do they know to free themselves? And I heard an astrologer years ago say, the 12th house is considered the darkest house. But what if we sent people in there with a flashlight to understand what's going on so they can see and illuminate the dark place and maybe they can find some pieces. Ooh, Jade, you got a lot of 11th and 12th house placements too. Yeah, I understand why you're, uh, aren't you uh, either like kindergarten teacher or was it pre-K? I know those small kids, and I know they love you because you just look like a ball of sunshine. And 11th house placements are about the whole of humanity. So those are the teachers and educators and people that want to get out there and be seen in the world and actually make the world a better place. 11th house placements. Tell me about that. Do I have any? I got to pull your chart back up. Let me see if I All can right, well. have it. Well, if not, because I should think that it's, I don't know about this making the world a better place stuff. <clears throat> you have a lot of sixth house placements, not necessarily on that side. Six and eight. Hopefully but three you... six house placements in a row. Mm. Oh, six, six, six. I am done with you for today. 
You are on the Nut Casey side. Are you putting me in timeout? Yes, I'm putting you in the um timeout corner. You're going in the kitty corner. All right. I'll That's sit what still. triple Virgo. <laughs> and I am truly happy that you guys stopped by for today. I'm getting ready to wrap it up. I try to keep my shows to about an hour and 30 minutes so I don't just rack my brain with information. So uh, uh, Jade says she has a lot of 11th and 12th house representation in her chart and also um, pre-K. She teaches pre-K. I have two 11th house and three 12th house. Oh, so you're in the institutionalized, of te- the institution of teaching. That's awesome. Oh, that's awesome because you have Hello, the... Pedro. Hello, Pedro. He's probably going to come back for another reading. And if anybody wants to know, I'm here Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. every day. Hey, look, he has a, a book um, and his, his profile photo says negative cat. That reminds me of my spirit animal, which is grumpy monkey. <sighs> Grumpy monkey. Jeez. Hey, Ped- Pedro's calling in. Pedro. Let's see what's up. Step lightly. Hello. Call to say hi. That's all. And also, Amanda and Jade is on the chat. Uh, I just posted that Brianna Joy Gray has a show at 8.15, so... I just call, I just logged in again to say that. That's all. Well, hello, Pedro. It's hello. good to say hello and and uh, inform our uh, our crews here. So, uh, actually, it was also today on the. I'm kind of a a big uh, user of this app, and to, this morning I was uh, I logged in and I saw you, Akim. Apparently, there is a, an argument with William. I know William is a good guy, good guy. So, if you want to talk about that, I can chat about with you about that for five minutes. Well, no, we're not going to do that here. You can take me into another room and do that. Okay, I'm not particularly interested in in it, but if I can help in any way to the to the discourse. The issue is that uh, apparently he's, he's been like spamming everybody like with 30 messages and everybody. All right. So um, we're going to wrap it up, huh? Yeah. It's about time. I got to get up and go get something to eat. I appreciate everyone's your favorite silly goose, Cicely the Wandering Goose. And I'm signing out with my good host here, Mr. Hakeem Alexander Ali